welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Loga the Barbarian, and I've got a special guest with me, Philip Reed. He's the CEO of Steve Jackson Games and puts out a lot of really cool independent work. Philip, welcome. Thank you for having me. I, I'm, I'm excited to have you. Uh, I think I showed a moment ago, y- y'all can't, home can't, can't see because there's no video, but I've got a pile of his works he's been putting out here lately. I'm, I want to ask you, what prompted you to start putting these out the, on your own, the, all the stuff you've been putting out the last few years? I just needed a different creative outlet. I was staying extremely busy, busy at the office. And creating my own projects is actually uh, stress relief, and it's how I relax from making games for a living. You get to make games for a living and for your creative outlet as well. What all are you playing? Uh, Mostly board games and card games these days. We're just starting up HeroQuest, and I did the Hasbro Pulse crowdfunding for that, so... That's about 60 adventures, I think, we figured out throughout the entire package. Oh, so wow. we're totally playing through that. Yeah, that's a blast from the past, that thing coming out. <laughs> it's beautiful. Hasbro did an incredible job updating that. And my favorite part is they didn't try to redesign it or anything crazy. I mean, it plays like Hero Quest, And the amount of stuff you get in that box is just wild. I did not. I was so on the fence about backing it. One of the guys in our group backed it. I think two of the guys in our group backed. I ended up not. And so I haven't had a chance to check it out. Hopefully we'll be getting together to play it here in the near future. But I, my, my playing hero quest back in the day is a little hazy, to be honest. <laughs> I think it was 1989 when it was first published. So that sounds over three decades old. Yeah. That sounds about when I think it would have probably been early nineties when I, yeah. when I remember when I remember playing with it and we looted it for other games too. <laughs> oh, yeah, I feel like it was uh, not until it like went on clearance at KB Toys or something <laughs> that everybody started getting it. And what was the other one? Like the big Battle Masters or something? I think I'm not sure if I recall the top of my head. <laughs> Battle Masters is just loaded with minis. I'm pretty sure it's Battle Masters. Yeah, I can't recall. We didn't. I didn't have that many minis role playing growing up. So I started in like the late '80s playing role playing games, and I didn't have minis really until I had a few. But outside of Hero Quest, minis weren't really a thing we were using. Yeah, I well, I didn't either until those things started going clearance at KB's, and you could get like spend five or six bucks and get a ridiculous number of minis yeah battle masters 1992 was when that one was published wow battle masters. i gotta look that up and see if i remember this because my i've got the world's worst memory <laughs> battle master oh i do remember that boy that's been a minute yeah yeah i i had like i think what we i live right by Ral where Ralph partha was Okay. So we managed to get a lot of Ralph Partha minis. And there was a little shop over here that a lot of the Ralph Partha folks went to. And it was like the hub of cool minis. I still didn't buy a lot of them because <laughs> we bought game books. Right. But they had some really cool stuff there, stuff I'd seen there that I'd never seen anywhere else. So I wanna I wanna ask you about some of these books that you've put out. Well, some are books and some aren't. Right. I'd like to hear like like I've got one here that's a massive 
accordion shaped yep. adventure. And uh, I've got a, a record that we've recently picked up from you that you've put out. And the one you have out now, well, actually, when this airs, is probably be about a week or two when this airs. I think that that Kickstarter is going to be over by then, unfortunately. Yeah, this project ends a week from today. Uh, January 27th is when the current project closes. So, what prompted all the different formats and stuff that you've been using here? I just love print and experimentation. So I'm trying different things and I'm going to keep trying different things. I've got some other ideas. Like I just opened up uh, my first cassette tape for pre-orders over the weekend. Oh. And I found a place to manufacture eight tracks. So I've been talking to them now because I, I want to do like an OSR adventure with a little soundtrack but i want to go like hardcore 70s style with it i like that and pack the uh, soundtrack on an eight track <laughs> i mean there's gonna be like two people in the world who listen to it but i think it'll just be a cool physical artifact i have an eight track player See, you're good to go. <laughs> i got this stereo it's like the all-in-one it's got cds right. eight tracks with record Full young yards. If it's a, if it's medium, you can listen to. I can play another thing. It's not expensive. It was just a cheap little thing. It turns out uh, producing an eight track is more expensive than producing a vinyl record, which I, is hilarious. I'm kind of not shocked because it's not been used in a long time. Like, yeah, yeah. I found a manufacturer who will do it, and their minimum order is fifty. But they'll also run fewer than 50 as long as you pay like a premium surcharge on top of it. So I, I don't think there's a massive audience for 8-tracks, but just the idea of doing some like classic 70s style adventure pack and then including an 8-track, I, I don't know, it just sounds fun. And put the whole thing in a box. Well, that's similar to, I'm assuming the Tower of Scoundrels in the back, it says it's limited to one print. I'm assuming that yeah. it'll be a, a similar thing. The Tower of Scoundrels is oh, a really yeah. nice uh, little 45 that was that you put out that's got a, that's a 45 in there, isn't it? That's a 45 <laughs> RPM, seven inch record. Yes. And it has two booklets in it for the adventure. And then the tri-panel uh, gatefold is a GM screen for the adventure. I love this idea of putting out adventures and role-playing games with albums and music. I yeah, think it's fun. fun. Yeah, it's really fun. Well, that's when I was a kid, like since I've been a kid, I've had some sort of music record players and eight tracks starting off like growing up in the late seventies and early eighties, even right. listening to my little, I used to have uh, like storybooks that went with the records and I'd sit there yep. with my big old headphones you get a little ding, turn the page. Yeah, I love those. <laughs> and that's what it puts me in the mind of some of these. I've got, I've picked up a few different records from a few people now that are like that. They have a, an adventure there. Yeah. And a record. And it's fun. It is. And I, I'm a big music geek. I, I actually found all my records from when I was growing up about seven or eight years ago in my parents' basement. So I have a massive record collection of old sometimes questionable records. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a small record collection the pandemic hit and I spend every day at home 10 feet from the record player. So now I have a large record collection. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped buying records. Well, I, I bought a lot of them up until about 
the late nineties when every record you found was about a quarter to a buck a piece. Right. <laughs> and then sometime in the two thousands, the price tag changed and I was like, no, nah, I'm okay. <laughs> well, new records can be crazy fun. Uh, Bandcamp is probably the most dangerous site I visit daily. Oh no, they have they're like, so like new kind of, I'm curious to see what's out there. Now you piqued my interest. I don't need to start collecting something else. There's amazing new music coming out through Bandcamp through these indies. Um, uh, Volcor X is an amazing little synthwave uh, instrumental artist. And I've got two vinyl records, three vinyl records from Volcor X. And it's just really fun work. Now, there was uh, someone who I think it was on there that had been putting out uh, cassettes that I had been brought to my attention. And these cassettes had little adventure modules attached to them. Oh, there are uh, multiple people doing that. Who is, uh, who is the one that you're showing me now? It's beautiful. This is uh, Desolation Plains. And it's a cardboard sleeve that the cassette is packed in. But then it's a little adventure. Oh, that's awesome. That and they've done two. And one of them, the little cardboard sleeve when you open it up, is a hex crawl. Oh, that's great. I, I'm gonna they'll see. I gotta I'm gonna have to start picking those up now. <laughs> there's not enough money for all the cool stuff people are putting out, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's one of the things about the internet and modern tools. I mean, we can do things that 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago would have just been impossible. Like I've made personally a vinyl record, two CDs and a cassette. I couldn't have done that 20 or 30 years ago. There's no way. But the tools now and the prices and the availability is just better than it's ever been. Like the accordion book that I made, that came about because I used Alibaba to message some factories in China until I found two that were like, yeah, we can do it. I did a test with each one and then ultimately just picked one of the two to make the finished work. I ran 600 copies. They air freighted everything to me. I'm down to like 12 or something now out of that run. And then it's gone because the manufacturing nightmare of that, I just will not go through again, but I am glad I made it because it is, uh, it's cool. Unique, unique maybe too big of a word to describe it, but I haven't seen that elsewhere in the RPG industry. No, I haven't. I, one of the things I like about the stuff that you've been putting out is uh, since I was a kid, I, 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 I'm pretty sure you've known people or maybe one of them. I've always had some sort of collector itch in some kind of uh, realm of comics or games and these types of things that you know nerds i guess get into <laughs> and well I, and there's definitely some extremely like like i love paper products from going from yes comics to books really into it you know i've done I, I worked in design publishing and stuff like that for years advertising and paper type print products i'm obsessed with and having such unique cool looking paper products that these nice little games and adventures are on it really with the zine scene and everything else coming out it scratches that collecting itch for me i love it yeah i i'm a huge collector of things i have a massive toy collection i've written and published about a dozen books about toys oh last decade or so 
And I, I get it. I totally don't even have a museum. It's floor to ceiling, long wall shelves of toys, statues, books, games, music. Just it's crazy. So I totally get it. I, I, I definitely. Yeah, that's that's been my life. I, I'm sadly enough. I don't have my toys anymore. When I got out of the Marine Corps, I, I needed a place oh. to stay and I sold them to keep my kids house roof under my, my my toys and my comics went and I was devastated. But my books is my main thing I collect, especially game books. And then I, I collect a lot of other just book books. So that's right. where most of my collecting has been. So zines and really cool printed ones. Like this, I've been able to get through things like Kickstarter. Kickstarter's changed the industry, made it possible for a lot of people to be able to do, like you said, what wasn't possible 20 years ago. A lot of people are able to get the kind of backing to accomplish what they want to create. Yeah. I know I've been very lucky when it comes to running Kickstarter campaigns and getting enough support to do just whatever stupid idea I have that week. Yeah, there was, you started, the, the first Kickstarter that I backed of yours was was the one that I first heard of was the dollar Kickstarter that I think a lot of people, that I think that got some attention. Yeah, that was uh, adapting a model I had used for PDF publishing in the mid-2000s, where I was selling small, inex- inexpensive PDFs, and it was designed not around getting as much money from one person as I could, but getting a little money from as many people as I can. And uh, I will definitely do more of those dollar campaigns because they're fun and they're a great way to just put dozens of pages of content out in people's hands and just show them this is, this is the nonsense I make. If you like this, stick around because there's going to be more. I've got another question that may be not the best question to ask. What's going on at your day job? What What's going on over at Steve Jackson these days? So, unfortunately, I can't talk about our <laughs> biggest project because we haven't gotten the approvals. Oh, no. But uh, we are wrapping up the Kickstarter fulfillment for the new Car Wars game. That's been a lot of work, many years going into <laughs> it. So it's cool to see it getting the tables and people playing the game we've got more for the fantasy trip coming out i was just working on the kickstarter campaign for the hexagram zine that we make issue nine and that's like gonna go live in the next week or so been working on our convention that we're running in, in april a lot of munchkin work that's non-stop and some of the cooler munchkin things i definitely can't talk about yet <laughs> Yeah, Munchkin seems to have blown blown up. Or well, I guess it's been twenty years since it's been out now. But it seems, for some reason, to me, it seems like a new thing. But uh, first published summer of two thousand one. I remember it well because I went to the uh, printer that summer to do press checks for the cards when they were being made. And yeah, it's Munchkin has been available over twenty years now. Yeah. So my like my. Most of what I have from Steve Jackson, I'll be honest, is the old GURPS books. That's, you know, we used to, I didn't play the game a lot, but we bought them a lot and used them supplements for other games. Yep. And there is some great material in some of those for whatever role so, in your game you're doing. One of the things we've been working on the last few years is getting as many of those old books into print on demand as possible. 
That way, if you have an old curse book you want, you don't have to go spend 50, 70, 100 dollars on eBay. You can hit Amazon or something, and it's like 22 bucks, and you can get a fresh printing right there. And we've got over 100 titles released so far under that program for GURPS. I'm excited about that because, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of print-on-demand books. I would much rather get a brand-new copy that's just printed than somebody's right. ragged copy that their little brother has scribbled on in crayon and everything else that you seem to come across as someone's charging like 80 bucks for. It's like, I'll pass. Well, we even made a deal um, to renew the Conan license for GURPS Conan. So all the GURPS Conan books that were produced in the 80s are print on demand now. Oh, so, I know some people who are going to jump at that. <laughs> the other nice thing about print on demand and why I'm trying to create more work that'll fit in that format is as shipping costs go up and the complexity of shipping, it's just so much easier for gamers everywhere if products can be print on demand because they can jump on and order it. And instead of paying 20, 30, 50 bucks to get it shipped from the US to Australia or something, it'll be printed as close to Australia, if not in Australia as possible. So they'll get it faster and cheaper than if they ordered from the US. Yeah, I think that's going to be a big, a big thing in the future of gaming and printing in general, oh, yeah. shipping costs along the way they are. And as 3D printing becomes more, uh, what's the word? Useful? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I think accessible, probably. I think that's going to change things, too, because rather than manufacturing plastic minis in China, shipping them across the ocean on a boat so that we can ship that back to somebody in Australia to sell, if they can just 3D print stuff as close to home as possible and have it ordered that way. I see a lot of these 3D printed that that are, I don't want to say banding, but a lot of the things I've seen some people print seem like to have this weird banding element to them. Yeah. I think that, I don't know, I yeah, guess. Those are, those are filament printers. Um, those are getting better. It's got these striations. Like it's almost like you cut a, the earth in half and you can see all the layers or something. Yes. So like the there's resin printers now though that have dropped in price a lot. You can get a good resin printer for like 250 bucks and those come out with none of that. And you can get a much finer quality print. Well, I wasn't um, aware of that. Steve actually over the last month set up in his garage, a resin printer and has now been printing his own minis and painting them. <laughs> hilarious. That's great. Yeah. I might have to, I might have to pick up an inexpensive one as the price drops yeah. a little bit better. <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe I'll it's start like, collecting minis now. <laughs> yeah. I've spent the last year with, I should really get one of those. And then one day Steve's like, I got one, I'm printing. <laughs> and here I am still thinking, I should get one of those. <laughs> I've, I've not pulled the trigger. I know how I am. I go down these rabbit holes and if I get into it, it's going to be, it's going to be yep. a lot sunk into it. <laughs> it's like, here I go. I'm better off leaving the printing of minis to my friends for now until I'm ready to, to pick up the cost of a new hobby. <laughs> That's funny. I was just thinking about an hour ago that, oh, I should Steve, send Steve this file. I've gone and say, hey, uh, dude, print this for me, please. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I've not used, like I think what I talked about before, like I've not used a lot of minis in game. I didn't start right. using minis. I think the first time I used minis was, I we've played Pathfinder for a minute 
and that is really mini heavy. And that's about that time they started coming out with the pre-painted plastic minis, which are cool. I had a few old Ralph Partha pewter ones, but that was really my first exposure role-playing wise to minis. My problem with minis is I'm not good at painting them, Mm -hmm. but I'm snobby when it comes to painted minis. (laughs) So if, if I can't get good painted minis, I don't want to use any minis. Like um, I've got a star Wars Imperial assault set. That is the entire game, everything fantasy flight made for it, but it's all professionally painted. And the way I got it was a store was deciding they were going to not be carrying the game anymore, not be running events. So they're like, Hey, does somebody want to buy our collection? I'm like, yes, please. Because I would, I had wanted to play Imperial Assault, but not with the like, here's a mini and it's all blue plastic or something. And I was never going to paint them. So now I've got this giant, gorgeous Imperial Assault set that I'm happy to play with because these minis look awesome. I think I played that game like one time. I don't, yeah, I need to, Mini games, yeah, I'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole. I've got curious. <laughs> like, did you see the Marvel Zombies uh, Kickstarter from Simon that's up right now? I did see that. Someone had pointed that out to me, and it's like four hundred and ten dollars or something for the ultimate reward level with the Zombie Galactus. And I can't touch that project because <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go for the biggest one. Everything's going to arrive. And then I'm going to set it in a corner and never play it because, well, these minis aren't painted. I can't. Play. <laughs> oh, there's people that there's people that do like really good mini painting and do it as like, uh, like that's what they do. Like they'll charge you to paint your minis. Yep, they they will, and I need to avoid that. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to run a Kickstarter campaign just to make enough money to have my minis painted. That's a brilliant idea. I think you should do that. <laughs> Please support my mini paintings. All digital, so you don't need any physical. And the physical stuff you spend your money on is the minis. I think that minis themselves have changed a big deal these days. Like when I first started picking them up, like the first few I got, those little pewter ones, you'd have to paint yourself. But now like with the pre-painted ones, that's not hard to find. I got a question. How do you feel about those packages and little things like pre-painted Pathfinder, D&D, and others? I I love them. I think they're awesome. If I'm going to play with minis, I want them to be painted. (laughs) That's better for me. Like um, I'm trying to resist, and so far I've succeeded, but I'm trying to resist the tower uh, terrain piece that WizKids released for the Forgotten Realms. (laughs) Because what is it suddenly going to be every game has a giant tower in it because I now have this tower, but it looks so awesome. Like they did a ship too. That's just gorgeous. And a tavern, they did a tavern. And just, I, I have to resist them. Yeah. So once you go down that road, then you start, start having to have every building in town. You want to put it, I don't have space. I was actually told I'm not allowed to uh, start creating little, dioramas and stuff like that because i when i when i told my spouse that i was going to be picking up minis i was i was kind of given a i was given the hint that that's not an advisable thing to do <laughs> as a space in the basement 
that's pretty much where it was. What's on the horizon for your plans and what's coming out with a lot? Like you've been putting out all these things on your own at just Philip Reeds, not Steve Jackson. I know that. Right. I know that there's another fantasy sites and scenes coming out. Correct. Is that the one or uh, the... just uh, shipped uh, fantasy sites and scenes three. Oh, did it? Uh, when did that? Ship? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, print on demand codes and PDFs went out in December and the physical books just shipped like three or four days ago. Oh, I'm looking forward they, to they that. Should have, they should have shipped in December, but the printer was running behind. So everything slid by a few weeks. But yeah, those are, they may even be starting to reach the backers. Well, I will definitely, I'm definitely looking forward to getting <laughs> those. Those were super fun to write. And uh, that's actually the one, those, the first and second one of those are the two of your books that I've used the most in game so far. Yep. I, I'm trying to remember when the first one came out because I had the first one uh, and started using that in game. I feel before the pandemic, wasn't it? Uh, no, actually, the was first it? one was written uh, in April of 2020 over a six day period when I didn't sleep at night because I was stressed out. And I mean, because because of the pandemic and trying to manage the company and everybody remotely and just learning, OK, how does this work? Just pulling up tracking information. I'm not seeing. Oh no, there's a couple of fantasy sites and scenes three showing as delivered. Oh, nice. But the majority are showing as in transit. So I figure probably over the weekend and next week is when people will really start getting those. The post office, like everything else, is just slow these days. Yeah. But yeah, the first book was uh, six nights, six sleepless nights. Of I have to do something with my life, so I may as well. I have an idea. Let's make a book. I ran that Kickstarter campaign. It did very well. I was really happy with that. And then I was inspired and wrote a second one. And I, those two books, I think, are probably my best work of 2020. And I like how the third one fits in with the first two. I'm excited so, about that. Yeah. yeah, and I'll say one of the things about, especially the Mort board uh, books that were put out and some of the zines that you put out, is that there's so many seeds for adventures, like in a single page and within that character. There's so <laughs> many places you can take that. You could. It seems like you've created your own setting there with the three, the trilogy of right. zines. And that's that's kind of what I try and stick into everything that I create. That was part of what I was doing with uh, PDF publishing back in the mid 2000s. I I would publish like here's 101 mundane treasures, and people initially are like, "What the hell? Why do I care?" But as people got it and started reading it, they realized, "No, this is 101 like adventure seeds." Yeah, because every item had its own like story and set up and that's that's what i try and infuse in pretty much everything i that i create is just give the game master as many ideas to turn to as possible yeah there's definitely noticeable when you read through the entries in these there's so many things to play a game off of like i know at least one of the entries in the city one of the city sites and scenes i can't remember what it was was a tavern and our group like it became we must have been involved with that tavern for shoot five or six sessions it turned out to be that's awesome plenty of playing there and 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 
became a mainstay. And I can't even remember the character's name now without looking to the book because <laughs> I've got a, such a bad, a bad memory. But there was there was a, a woman who ran the tavern that they were that became a big part of our campaign too. And yeah, I like that kind of content more so than like some things would be like like a technical content adding bonuses and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't see, that. I don't I don't think game masters need a lot of that. No, there's, there's so many mechanics you can turn to already. So I try and give people more flavor, background setting, story ideas, things like that. It's it's more my strength. Um, when I was doing the D20 writing back in the 2000s, I was doing more mechanical stuff then, but it's not as fun for me as like the story side of things. Well, it seems like the D20 era of gaming, I've had a lot of books from them and it was far more like most of what this coming out was very mechanical, very much yeah. more player focused, it seemed, than DM focused too a lot of times. More let's fight about rules than <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i can definitely get that i'm a big fan of more rules light games these days yeah. and i came from extremely as they call it now crunchy games in my history so i think you play enough with those rules lawyers and eventually you hit the point you're like i just can't handle this anymore give me a game with as few rules as possible oh yeah and if i'm sitting here having to stop game and open a book and say like, oh well look it's yeah. like I make a call and we go. <laughs> if I if I have to make that many calls because I don't understand the system and I, it's probably not the system for me. <laughs> that's, that's part of what I like about the Morkborg game is it may be a 96-page book, but when you really get into it, it's like six actual pages of rules and it's so light you can just do anything. Yeah, I'm a fan of that. I, I, I like that. Rules Light has been... Is, I think it's... Uh, I think... It's a very popular thing in role playing today. I see. There's definitely a lot of independent presses and other places putting out lots of rules light stuff, and I, I definitely see that happening throughout. Yeah, we're about up on thirty minutes. I wanted okay. to ask you before I before we closed if you could tell our listeners where they can find you online and uh, where they can find your works and everything else. If you go to sjgames.com, it's the Steve Jackson Games website, and that's where the majority of my energy goes. As far as my own works, I don't have a website for my... <laughs> like, my, my goal with all my personal projects is to relax and have fun. So when things are business-oriented or something is when I start to just... I don't care. Like, no... <laughs> I mean, people always ask me, like, where's your web store so I can order stuff? I miss your Kickstarter. And my answer is, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not going to wrap myself up in a situation where, oh, I got orders I have to ship. No. So if they, if you want to find my work, drive through RPG and search for Philip Reed there. Or Kickstarter and search for Philip Reed there. And otherwise, I got nothing. <laughs> well, those are the, that's the places I'm used to getting your stuff at. And I, I haven't had a problem finding it when it comes up. I'm following yeah. the Kickstarters. They come out and excited for them. Um, and yeah. uh, Kickstarters are definitely the better deal than sales later. Yeah. Like a lot of the Kickstarters were a dollar or two dollars just to get the PDF. And 
maybe the PDFs like three, five, eight, ten dollars in the future. Like I did that uh, Morkborg Monsters book a year ago now. And oh, I left that one on the shelf. <laughs> page hardcover book. But Is that the Kalos? Yeah, Kalos Book of Monsters. And it was a dollar to get the PDF on Kickstarter. But these days, the PDF is 10 bucks. And my argument is always the Kickstarter backers are like, it's a, it's a risk. You're putting your faith in the project and in the people. And since I don't have to print and ship things, I try and keep those Kickstarter PDFs super low and inexpensive. Because, yeah, the backers should get a great deal. They're making this happen. I mean, it wouldn't happen without the support. But after that, I'm sorry you missed it. Maybe follow me and next time join for a buck. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing I think, too, with with all of this, like the paper goods and the products, like the zines and, and different small print books that are coming out, is that, a lot of times you got to back something to get a hold of it because once it's out there, it's going to be near impossible to get a hold of. <laughs> yeah, it becomes gone. Yeah, it doesn't get mass produced a lot of times. It's usually not going to be like a reprint. So knowing who's putting something out when that's cool, be able to grab it then is, is yeah, it's the way to get a hold of it. <laughs> and for me, that happens a lot because I try and use different formats that don't lend themselves to easily making so i i just i can't like kalo's book of monsters is a 64 page hardcover which sounds simple but in practice it's a six and a quarter inch wide by 11 inch tall hardcover it's a really weird format that you just can't do as print on demand yeah you know i noticed that when i tried to put it on my shelf because i have my i have my morkboard books and like my old school essentials and more A5 books on certain shelves than I had. Uh-huh. And I went to put Kayla's up there. I was like, well, it has to, it lives yeah. sideways. <laughs> One of the projects I've been toying with in the background that I really think I'm going to go ahead and make is a 17 inch by 17 inch book. So it is ridiculously that's big. Bigger, that's bigger than a, I, that's bigger than a, a record yeah records are a 12 inch by 12 inch. Yeah, five, yeah, that 17 by 11 is pretty decent size that's a 17 17 by 17 well i'm saying 17 by 11 is like this oh yeah so yeah. it's that uh-huh. double yeah. i'm sorry if for anybody listening i'm holding yeah. up a book one of his books <laughs> spread open yeah basically an eight, an eight and a half by 11 book uh opened up is 17 inches wide so just take that width and square it and that's the size I'm experimenting with right now for a new book. What type of binding is on that? So it de- I've got a couple ideas. One idea I'm toying with is actually a saddle stitch, so it's stapled, so it'll open mm-hmm. up. And it is an adventure where the maps are just printed right on the page because that gives you a 17-inch by 34-inch uh, play oh, space. That's cool. So you can have a one-inch grid right on there. But then I'm also experimenting with a hardcover book of monsters that's that size oh i like the idea of both you can always mash it together yeah you have monsters for the dungeon uh, (laughs) shipping's probably going to be a bit of a pain on something like this because it's it's big but yeah but uh, (laughs) these are these are like artifacts like art objects like i i want 
I want to have fun. I, it it is art. Make it's, yeah, it is art. It's like it's I mean, like any art collector, you, you're collecting a piece of art. So at the end of the day, it is, you know, it is what it is. It's worth to me if I'm able to afford it. It's worth it. <laughs> That's the way I do it. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up because we're over time. <laughs> okay. I want to thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure. And for all of our listeners, you can find us at wobbliesandwizards.com. Find us on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. I'm on Twitter at Logar Hale Crom, and we've just launched a Patreon. If you're out there listening and you've enjoyed what you've been hearing here, you like it having a daily podcast about role playing games, please give us a little support. That's just at Patreon backslash Wobblies and Wizards, and keep those dice rolling.